dude. How do you have that many things up? Just have tabs, bro. Yeah, do you not know how to use tabs? You're a teacher. <laughs> they're just they're just tabs, man. It's not that difficult. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot cope with them. Can't do it. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Maligno. With me today is Josh Crocker. What's up, Josh? New microphone, Josh. I bet I bet it sounds fantastic. I bet you it does. I'm hoping that the listeners notice the difference. They notice an extra twang in your voice. And twang? It just, yeah. Listen, there is no twang. They're going to notice it way more, Josh. Your Oklahoma is just going to come out of you, out of your voice here, man. Just... I, I do not appreciate that. It does. On the banjo, we can't forget the other mainstay of the show. That is Adam Cahill. What's up, Adam? <laughs> Josh needs a banjo back in a month. <laughs> Every time Josh says something, I should play a banjo. I feel like a better more harmonica guy. <laughs> harmonica? More harmonica guy. Okay. Yeah, no, you are you're definitely more hillbilly than you are blues, bud. Yeah, I may have a banjo playing behind you. this intro. <laughs> I had to write a note down to insert banjo here, so um, that will happen. Um, hey, listen, we're humbled and grateful as always to be joined by our listeners as well. Shout out to the Clock Dodger family out there. We have lots of football to talk about, lots of rankings. Before we do, I do want to just send a. You know, a little thought out there to people who are about to be deal with this hurricane that's coming their way. Hurricane Laura. It looks like it's going to be nasty. You know, we're keeping you in our thoughts. Lots of craziness going on in the world right now. I mean, 2020 has been super fucked. I don't know what to say about it other than that. But uh, yeah, shout out to everybody out there. Hope you guys get through this good. We know people out there in Texas. You guys send your positive vibes there. Adam, is it going to hit Chicago too, man? Mess you up out there? Man, there's enough going on in Chicago. I'm <laughs> you know what? We just get to sit that one out. What, what's funny is like when these hurricanes hit places that aren't Florida, basically, um, it just winds like mess everybody up for like five days. It's like, yeah, nothing happened, but like lots of wind, but like it knocked our power out for like five days. Like everybody else isn't really prepared for hurricanes. Like, I mean, I guess Texas is pretty prepared, but you know, sometimes up north and stuff, when these things like travel all the way up there, people are like, yeah, we lost power for four days and it was like wind for just two hours. It's like, yeah, because you guys aren't built for this. It's what it is, bro. But let's talk about some football. Let's get to some news really quick before we get into the rest of the good stuff. Um, David Montgomery was the talk of Twitter today. He got carted off. People got concerned immediately. Everyone's, I don't know if everyone was like, I don't know what the deal was. Everyone went straight to like horrible news. Like he's done for the year, but um, apparently it's like a groin injury or something. That's what people were. I don't know. Was that confirmed? Yes. Okay. Uh, so they're basically saying at this time that it's a grade three groin tear, um, which essentially means he'll miss weeks uh, with how close we are to the beginning of the season. The expectations probably that he's going to miss a week or two into the year. I don't know what that means for Chicago because outside of Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson, the other two running backs they have on the roster, I have never heard of before in my life. Uh, so they might be a landing spot for Devonta Freeman. Uh, I'll be interested to see um, how they adapt here because they do not have another David Montgomery on their team. They don't have someone who could even fill that role. Yeah, that sounds bad. That is bad. Do you think they're going to sign somebody? I feel like they almost have to. 
Uh, outside of like trying to give Cordero Patterson and Tariq Cohen each 10 carries a game, like that sounds gross. Um, but if they, you know, think Montgomery is only going to miss a week or might be back for the start of the year, they might not bring somebody in. But I feel like they've got to be the top landing spot for Devonta Freeman right now. And uh, other than him, I, I don't know who else is out there in free agency that, you know, would even be an option. But I, I feel like they're going to end up bringing somebody in. They yeah. could go grab Leonard Fournette, like Barrel was saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is like a bunch of guys who are like in this weird place, right? That people feel like, you know, they would like to see them get a chance there. Like, I don't know. I, it, it depends on how serious it is, I guess. Like how 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 really bad it's going to be. It, a lot of teams, I feel like, don't want to add a lot to their teams right now. Like That's just the vibe I get. Like at this point, it's like, hey, we're, we're here ready to go to battle with what we got. You know, this is who we've, you know handpicked to this point this is who's been practicing with us this is who's been learning with us like i don't know what bringing in a devonta freeman does for like if it's two or three weeks like you know what i mean like last minute like what does that really do at this point i don't know you know even if we don't know the other guys on the team like is it really gonna be that big of a difference you know is there any player that the bears have recently had at running back that they could like bring back there's no one of significance right not really okay um like any other backups or anything that were like halfway yeah decent? no i was trying to think if they had anyone who was filling that role before David Montgomery last year. Um, but Jeremy Langford? I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say, but he's out of the league. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no one who's still in the league. And just for reference, because Cordero Patterson's not even listed as a running back on this team, behind Terry Cohen, the two guys are Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce. If you have heard of either of these players, please let me know, because I have <laughs> not, and I live in Chicago. So they got to bring in somebody. Uh, I think it's kind of inevitable. It'll just be a matter of, you know, who that is and how bad this injury is for how long they have to scrape together some version of an offense. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be one to obviously look at. It sucks when guys go down like at this point, like it's like, man, like, can it get any worse at this point? This is like so close to. I don't know. It, it seems so far away, even though it's so close. It seems so far because the season's been so weird. This offseason has been so weird. But yeah, I mean, this is not good for David Montgomery. And obviously, we heard a lot of good things about him, too, like leading up to this. I mean, like he was in great shape. He had slimmed down, looking quicker. So I don't know. We hope he gets back quicker than, you know, what's already been reported. But I'm sure that's pretty accurate at this point. We hope, we hope he recovers quicker than he runs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm curious to hear you guys' opinion. Because for me, I think if he misses time, regardless of if they bring someone in or not, Tariq Cohen becomes kind of a must-start in PPR in any games that he's not playing. Like, I just feel like his usage is going to go up to a point where it'd be foolish not to, you know, take that potential upside. Because otherwise, why are you even drafting a guy like Tariq Cohen? Like, th those are the best opportunities for him. So I feel like he becomes a must-start in those situations. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I don't have any – I don't have any – pause when it comes to Tariq Cohen you guys know I've liked him for the last few years um Josh is there any like apprehension you have for him no I want I want all of it man you know it didn't happen in the NFL it happened at the North Carolina A&T Aggies but Tariq Cohen's college attempts were like almost 200 a year yeah there's no reason to be concerned, man. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be the workhorse. but I mean, the guys in the NFL are a lot bigger and faster and hit harder, and they're going to smash him. But 
I like Street Cohen a lot. There you have it, folks. We're Cohen fans. We're Cohen fans. We'll see what else they do. But yeah, I think at this point, Cohen is like, I'm just going to focus on him. You know, like whoever else they bring in, like, I don't want to get crazy about it and say, oh, for those three weeks, he's RB1. Da, da, da. Like, I'm not going to get crazy about it. Um, another running back that I thought was funny that was popping up in the news, Frank Gore, Adam Gase showing a mad love. Showing a mad love with his buggy eyes. I can't listen to that guy. I have to close my eyes when Adam Gase talks. I can't look at his, like, freaked out face and eyes. But, um, yeah, he was he was showing a mad love. Do we have anything to worry about for Le'Veon Bell, guys? Yes. I didn't draft Le'Veon Bell on a single team last year. I haven't drafted him on a single team this year. I wasn't disappointed with not drafting him anywhere last year because he's just – he's got no ceiling anymore. It's just gone. I mean, as far as Adam Gase goes, he, he drastically holds back his talent – and that offense is just not going to be good, in my opinion. I do not think that Le'Veon Bell is going to live up to this, like, third-round ADP that he seems to have. I, I, I don't know. To me, he's one of those guys that he's being drafted at his ceiling, and I don't even think he reaches that ceiling. Yeah, it's not not looking that, that good for him, man. It sucks, too, because like, he's another guy like who's had, like, this offseason where he's, like, talked himself up, of course, but, like, he's been getting in shape. He's been doing all this other kind of stuff, mixing it up, getting his physical, you know, at his peak. He's talking about his little body fat, all these good things. And it's like, I hate that I feel like he's hampered by Gase. You know what I mean? Like, why does he have to be tied to Gase? Like, I, I'm not a fan of this dude. And, like, this guy is talking about, like, an 80-year-old running back right now, like, as if he's going to give him, like, some real serious burn in games and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and I believe him. That's the problem. Like, I know people, We I know we talk about it every week. We hate coach speak, this and that. But, like, I just don't trust this damn guy, man. Like, I'm legit concerned. Like, I don't have him either, really, anywhere. I don't think, um, Bell. But still, yeah, like, Frank Gore is as silly as it sounds. Like, he freaks me out, <laughs> like, when it comes to Bell. Um, Josh, you think there's any concern there? He might just keep Le'Veon Bell out of that. Uh, you know, when when Bell was a, a stealer, he used to just get a, a crazy amount of the touches. Like, if that was his thing. Was, you know, he was – getting 80% of the opportunity on the field. And if Frank Gore just knocks him down to 65%, you know, that doesn't really make Frank Gore relevant, but it might take a lot of the ceiling off the bell. Yeah. Those are the most frustrating things when the second running back or, you know, whatever, doesn't make you, it isn't relevant to us in fantasy, but it's just enough to make the other guy less relevant. It's so frustrating, but hey guys, I, I wanted to interject because I'm curious to get your opinion on something that I was just thinking about which is right now the New York Jets, if you go based on Vegas odds, they're rated as the fourth worst team in the AFC. The only teams that are below them are Miami, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville. Am I crazy to think that the Jets are the worst team in the AFC? No, not. No, you're not. I I think that they are, and I, I honestly don't think it's that close. Like, I at least have optimism in Jacksonville. I have optimism in Cincinnati. Like, Miami, like, these are these are all franchises that seem like they're turning around in the right direction, and the Jets just, man, I I would not be surprised if they're the worst team in the AFC this year. No, it's totally legit. Like, it's just one of those things, man. Like, I mean, we, I I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't like to understand how bad that coach is, <laughs> like for that team, and then things just haven't really gone their way necessarily lately, especially in the off season and with certain players. But yeah, it's just I'm not I'm not big on them at all. So yeah. I think uh, Vegas might be a good place to be bet. Putting your money there, Adam. I know you like to bet, man. I know you're a gambler. Get your money yeah. on the line. Do you ever do you ever sports Does, bet? 
like that? I, I do, but okay. not se- not season long stuff. Just because I tie up so much money in fantasy football, that tying up money on prop bets as well, it's just it's a lot to have tied up for a full season. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I never really hear you talking about those kind of bets. No, um, there actually there's a good edge to them though, and uh, I was subscribed to the Quan Edge last year, and uh, you know, shout out to Elliot Chris and you know the things he's doing this year as well. They they definitely. It's interesting to see what the uh, the sports betting community really does in regards to like how their views can mesh with fantasy. It it really all overlaps really well, and uh, the Action Network is another one now that I think is fantastic at doing that. But like overlapping fantasy and sports betting to a point where you understand the game in such a cohesive way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, good. All right, that that those are like the major headlines of like today, or like the last couple of days. Um, so let, let's move on to just what we have set up for the show here today. Um, let's jump into trust issues. We'll start with trust issues. Um, let's go. Okay, so we have here Sony Michelle officially came off the pup, and he practiced today. Obviously, anytime we hear about Sonny Michelle, it's either he's hurt or he's healthy. Those are pretty much the headlines. <laughs> so he's healthy again. He's back at practice. So the trust issue here is Sony Michelle leads the Patriots and carries this season. Um, either one of you want to start particularly with this or just. I'll start. Okay. I don't trust it. I just, I don't trust it at all. I I'm out on Sony Michelle. I'm, I'm out on running backs that take this long to hit. Like if they're just a bad bet, even if he hits this year, I think I'm probably out next year. That's interesting. If he hits this year, you're still out next year. I feel like I have to say trust issues just off the simple fact of like health. Like that's never been his thing, right? <laughs> so far. Um, so like just betting against his health right now, I don't feel very good about it, you know, how he's done so far. Um, and we'll and we'll and we'll see whether you know he can overcome that, because guys have, right? We've seen guys overcome these injury, you know, what seems like injury bugs for a season or two and then they you know, they're, they're fine. So is that going to be the case? I don't know. The the other situation is like the Patriots have never given, made, never made us feel comfortable with one guy for a long time now, since like, I don't know, Corey Dillon or something. So like just betting on one guy to get the most carries in that backfield is a scary proposition in general, because there's, you know, he tends to ride the hot hand. Right. And then, you know, who's going to be the hot hand from week to week. Is it going to be Sonny Michelle? Is it going to be Damian Harris? Is he going to get a chance? They continue to, you know, put other guys in that you feel like are they phased out of the offense at this point and they pop up as major contributors one week so it's like i can't trust it i can't put that much stock in sunny michelle although i do feel like he is one of those players who if he remains healthy and you get him at this like great cheap price like he could pay off major for you um but i'm not willing to trust it um adam do you feel differently than both of us you know i do and i i might be crazy for it but For me, it's a couple things. Uh, I mean, the biggest one is if his cost stays low. Like, if you can still get Sony Michelle in double-digit rounds, I think that he's definitely worth the cost. The biggest struggle is, you know, the the question was trust or trust issues on if he's going to lead the team in carries. And I think that if he's healthy, there's no way he doesn't lead this team in carries. I mean, you wanted to talk like the Patriots have a hot-hand approach, and I don't really think that that's true. Uh, you know, they drafted Sonny Michelle in the first round, and since he got into the league, they've given him over 200 carries every year. I mean, he had 209 in his first season. He had 247 carries last year. 
So we know he's not going to work in the passing game. Obviously, that that's where James White's going to shine, and that's going to take him off the field, and that's always going to be a detriment. But for me, it's just kind of a cost-benefit analysis. Like, if if his cost stays low, I mean, he's going to get a ton of carries in what could be really a, a potentially high-scoring offense that with Cam Newton is going to be really dangerous in the red zone. I mean, obviously Cam might steal some rushing touchdowns, but he also creates opportunity for rushing touchdowns. So I think that for me personally, it, as long as his ADP stays low, I'm, I'm probably going to be in. Because just like I like Lamar Miller there, I, I mean, I like whoever's going to be getting that opportunity to have the workload. And if he's healthy, he's going to, definitely. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely – is definitely not a crazy gamble to take at this point. Um, I won't be taking it, but it's, I, I, I understand your position. All right, so Sonny Michelle, we'll see how it plays out. Josh, we don't trust him. Adam, seems like you trust him. Um, next one we have here, Joe Burrow will break Baker Mayfield's rookie passing touchdown record of 27. Trust or trust issues? That's an interesting one. Um, Adam, you want to take this first? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think he's going to. I'm, I might be crazy, but I'm looking at the Cincinnati offense, and honestly, Joe's one of those guys that I'm kind of shocked where his ADP is, but then when I rank all the quarterbacks, like, it makes sense. But he's going to be one of my most owned quarterbacks this year, for sure, because he's constantly available in the double-digit rounds, which is where I like to target quarterbacks, and his upside is just phenomenal. I mean, this is a guy who literally turned college football on its head for a year. I mean, we've literally never seen anyone do what he did at LSU last year. And he's got weapons on that offense. I mean, Tyler Boyd's shown to be an extremely consistent possession receiver. A.J. Green, if he comes back healthy, is a fantastic weapon. You've got Joe Mixon out of the backfield. Then you've got guys like John Ross, who has a ton of speed. Auden Tate, who's been showing up in pre or on uh, in training camp reports, like they they have talent on that offense. It's just a matter of if their offensive line cannot you know allow him to get sacked fifty times a game, and ultimately if their defense can keep him in games. But that doesn't really matter for fantasy. So for me, I, I think he's going to do it. Like I think if he stays healthy, I think he could throw upwards of thirty touchdowns. Yeah. So, well, okay, J- Josh, you go first, and then I'll, I'll follow up. It doesn't seem crazy to me that a, a rookie could throw upwards of twenty-seven touchdowns to AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. If you know, if AJ Green is really AJ Green, that'll go a long ways. So, I think he could do it. I still think it's you know less than fifty percent chance it happens because that's you know he's breaking a record, but it definitely seems possible. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with both of you on it being possible. I'm, I actually, I'm, I was trying to see, and I don't know offhand now. Um, who, who did, um, who did uh, Mayfield have in 2018 when he did that? Who were his wide receivers? Does anyone know? Landry was there yet or no? Landry was there. OBJ was not, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't think so. I'm Googling it right now. Yeah, I'm trying to check. Okay, so it looks like it might have been Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, Corey uh, Coleman. Oh, this is through, like, Rashard Higgins and uh, Callaway. Yeah, so, yeah. so like, basically nobody besides Jarvis Landry, <laughs> right? I mean, Gordon didn't get to play that year, right? Or not much if he did? I'm not even sure he was. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. Maybe he didn't. Yeah. I so just like, remember him being a Seahawk. Yeah. So I don't really feel like you know when I when I look at the guys that you know he had to utilize at that point, um, it does look like Gordon actually um, caught one touchdown with Cleveland that year, but that's it. Um, so uh, yeah, man, like I don't see why if if Mayfield could pull that off with you know with this group of guys, um, I don't see why you know Burrow couldn't. Like Burrow has a really talented group, honestly. Like, if AJ Green stays healthy, Tyler Boyd, um, T. Higgins, like Joe Mixon, you know, he can catch the ball in the backfield. Like, there's nothing really to stop him besides just experience at this point. Like, you know, him just translate into the pro game, which I know is a big deal, but like if, if Mayfield could do it with the weapons he had, and if Burrow is as good as, you know, we're all being led to believe, um, then I I trust. I do trust Joe Burrow breaking this record. The one thing I will say is that the 27 mark, three quarterbacks had it last year, and only four had more than that. So only seven total quarterbacks threw 27 or more touchdowns last year. So it is a pretty high benchmark. I mean, I definitely think it's possible, but it, it's not you know to be taken lightly. Right. No, for sure. Um, but, I mean, we want to believe that Burrow is special. Right. And we know he has a bunch of really good weapons. Like there's no question that the weapons are good. So while well, like, like you're saying, it's not easy, but if Mayfield did it, <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's not crazy to say you could do it. And especially if you're talking about a quarterback who do we, do we expect the Bengals to be behind a lot? Right. Or do we not like in games? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they, yeah. they were last in the league last year. Yeah. So, so, yes, they're going to be from behind. But do you, I, I don't think in fantasy you really do want a quarterback that's trailing because to get a lead means to score points. So, at the end of the day, like, I don't I don't really think that narrative of they're going to be behind in games and he's going to throw more is really a positive thing. Mm-hmm. I think it just – it ultimately just comes down to how is he going to jive with that offense. And I think we've mapped out why – yeah. there's definitely the opportunity that it could go really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he could do it. Um, again, obviously we're, we're putting high expectations on him, but um, I, I think it could come together. You know, it, it, if he pulls another special season off, like he did in college, if he continues that momentum, he's out here getting bling and chains and everything out here right now. He's got the swag, man. Josh seen it in the handshake, right? Josh, that Joe Burrow handshake, man. Not every guy's got it. It's a it's a special move. <laughs> so yeah, I feel good about Joe Burrow. I, I, I'm warming up to Joe Burrow more and more, honestly, in this in his rookie season. Like, I don't really like drafting rookie quarterbacks, and I obviously I don't draft quarterbacks high. I don't know what his ADP is currently, but um, like I'm warming up to him having a good a good season. Like I'm not, it's not crazy to me. Like a really good season. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm totally I'm totally in on it. I, I can see this happening. Um, the next one, next trust issue here is a guy that both of you loved so much. And that's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray finished as the quarterback 12 in points per game while finishing as quarterback 7 in 2019. Kyler Murray lives up to his top 5 ADP and finishes top 5 end of season rankings and points per game. Trust or trust issues, Josh? Hey, I have trust issues with it. Like, who's, who's he throwing the ball to? DeAndre Hopkins is there, but it's his first year. <laughs> How on the dare team. you say I that? Have- I don't have high expectations. I just I have a hard time with 
where all of this production is coming from unless he's just going to rush for a crazy number of yards. I don't think I don't think he's top five. Like I, I've got to take Lamar and Mahomes ahead of him. Uh, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and then honestly, I want Stafford and Breeze. Like I just I can't I can't do top five with Kyler Murray. Can't yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really in lockstep. I think that it's so funny that we talked about Burrow and now we're talking about Kyler because where Kyler was going last year is probably where Burrow should be going this year. And Kyler didn't really disappoint last year. Like, at the end of the year, if you go back and you look and he was QB7, you're like, man, he, he outperformed his ADP. Like, that was fantastic. But – the reason that the question was written in the way it was is because he was only QB 12 on a points per game basis. If the rest of the league stays healthy, like I have serious concerns about Kyler Murray living up to his ADP. He's one of those guys who I really only take in best ball and only when I'm stacking, when I have already started with Deandre Hopkins. Otherwise he's kind of a total avoid for me because ultimately it just, it seems more likely than not that he finishes in the bottom half of the top 12. And I don't really see how we can be confident in him, especially in comparison to the guys who, you know, are going in the top five outside of him that have shown consistency year over year. Yeah. Like in, in terms of expected points per game, Kyler Murray is well outside of the top five. And if I'm going to bet that someone outperforms their volume i'm just gonna i'm gonna go ahead and bet on russell wilson like if you're telling me kyler murray might be russell wilson i'd rather just take russell wilson that's fair yeah i I mean i have trust issues with him in the top five also just because it's asking for a lot you know um but we're we're gonna get more into quarterbacks because we we are doing the rankings here on them um so I, i you know we'll talk a little bit more about it later as well uh, Kyler Murray, because I feel like he's going to come up for sure when we start doing our other segments here, like 10 toes down. Um, but yeah, I think asking him to be quarterback five and like kind of booking it, like just betting on it as I feel like in trust issues. If I say something like that, I'm like, would I put money on it? You know I mean, that's how that's how I, I handle trust issues. Like would I put money on it, would I be willing to put my, you know, my season on the line for it. And I don't I don't do that um, in this case. So, yeah, I have trust issues with him being a top five quarterback. Um, in regards to the way you guys are wording it here. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see the concern with top five. It's asking a lot, man. Like, you know, so, yeah, I, I can see it. But I can also see why people would argue with us on that, too. Um, I can see the Murray homers trying to make sense of that. <laughs> uh, if he's going to rush, if he's gonna rush and, and put up a lot of points that way, then I, I guess, you know, that that's an argument that you could make. But... Yeah, I don't know. it'll be interesting Definitely. to see if anyone listening uh, takes offense to that, <laughs> to him not being top five. I'm just curious. Like, I'm just curious how much the love is on him right now, because, I mean, you guys can admit in the past you guys have been super in on him, right? Like super, super, super in on him. Um, and so you guys have yeah, I'm not going to say you guys have died on him, but like you guys have dialed it back a little bit. You got a little more realistic. Yeah. Um, well, last year, the price was right. It was I think it was at least around around like seven, eight, nine in those rounds. And mm-hmm. now it's. He's, he's a top five quarterback. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, like he already rushed for 544 yards last year, which was second 
overall. So, I mean, how much more are we projecting? And he was QB 12 in points per game. So I just I don't see it. I hear you. If anyone yeah, out there listening. Things where now he's just in that range where I don't – like in a regular seasonal league, I'm never going to draft a quarterback that early. It's right. never going to happen. So, like I said before, I mean, for me, like, that that's where I get some ownership in best ball. And, obviously, like, I have him in dynasty. And that's how you get exposure to these players. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I just – I think that there's there's a lot to be concerned with as far as if he can really hold up to that, that level of draft position. Yeah. No, t- totally valid points from everybody. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'll, we'll see if anyone, how everyone responds to that. I'm just curious if anyone out there has like a really strong, um, you know, opposite feel on it. Um, let's move on to the next one though. We have uh, one of these tight ends going outside of the top 12 will finish top five. We have Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Jonu Smith, and Mike Jacecki. Um, Man, tight end names, you know, I'm not really a good pronouncer of names. And there's some tight ends out there with some, some challenging ones for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I could have said some of those names incorrect and, and believed it. You know? They're a little difficult. But uh, <laughs> one of these tight ends going outside of the top 12, finishing inside top five. Do we trust it or do we have trust issues? Josh? If I get to take all of them and only one of them has to hit top five, I feel, I feel like, yeah, yeah. Like, if you draft all of those players, you might end up in the top five tight end from one of them. I'm just not sure who it's going to be. That's you fair. Know, and Hawkinson have have the youth going for them, and so they could make a developmental leap. A leap. Janu could get a lot more volume if he you know, gets more snaps. Uh, Mike Kaseki Mike seems like the safest bet to me. He kind of broke out somewhat last year. So out of the group, I would probably draft him first. Interesting. Interesting. I was going to ask you who, if you had to pick one that you felt most confident about. And so it's Mike Gusecki. Um, Adam, are you, uh, do you agree with that? Like, I mean, first of all, do you trust it? And then second of all, is he your guy that's the best here? I, I mean, I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit. Like I made this question because to me, this is the group that like is every, everyone's sleeper tight end this year is one of these four guys. It feels like, and they're all going outside of the top 12 in ADP. And so, hypothetically, I'm kind of with Josh. Like, if I just took a buckshot, one of these four are going to finish top five. Like, due to injuries and all the turnover that happens year over year, yeah, probably one of these four are going to finish top five. But if you ask me to, like, pick a specific one and say this is the guy who's going to be top five, I really don't know. Like, all these guys give me pause for different reasons. Like, Hawkinson's looking phenomenal in camp, but I just really don't know where the targets are going to come from in an offense that has, you know, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, who both could be top 24 wide receivers. Then you've got teams that ultimately are more, I I don't necessarily want to call them run first. I I guess Tennessee would definitely be. I mean, Tennessee's, the the question around Janu is, are they going to open up? Are they going to have to throw more? I think, if I had to pick one, probably I'm with Josh. Like the one that I think has the most likely chance is probably Gasecki because he's going to start the year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is going to throw the football a lot and was pretty dang efficient last year. 
And then if he's going to transition at some point in the year, it's going to be to Tua, who I'm pretty optimistic about. So I feel like Gusecki's probably the best bet of the group. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – man, it's it's tough. It's it's really tough to say who specifically, but this is kind of the group that I'm drafting in almost every league. I mean, I wait on tight end constantly or I draft one of the top four. I mean, that's basically – every league that i'm in yeah i'll occasionally draft aaron waller if he really falls but that whole like six through 12 group i'm never touching so these are the guys that i i have huge exposure to yeah yeah i I trust it too i mean in a sense of like you know we, we all see it every year where it's not too difficult for like a tight end to jump all the way up in in rankings um you know, a couple of good games, uh, you know, a, a nice, you know, run uh, of really, you know, high end games for them. And you could jump quick, you know, like sometimes tight ends is just this weird position where like there's like the top shelf. And then there's like after that, I mean, I, I don't even know if you if it's if people are con- I would say that there's a confident top five for most people, probably. Um, but like, you know, injuries and all these things could play, you know, in hand. The offense could just kind of change a little bit from how they approach the games, but that's not likely when you have a tight end that's reliable. You kind of just, you know, it kind of stays as a fixture of the offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, top five is actually asking a lot. You know what? I have trust issues with it. I don't think so. I don't think any of these guys can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked myself out of it while we were going through it. Um, yeah, I have trust issues with it. I don't think any of these guys can do top five. So I'm opposite of you guys there, buddies. Yeah, I feel like Kels, Kittle, and Ertz are kind of unreachable. But then, you know, Mark Andrews, he so much of what he did was based on touchdowns. That could that could go away. So, so there's a hole. You know, Evan Ingram, it might not be healthy. There, there's a hole there. Like, you know, I feel like a, a tight end four or five finish is not not too unreasonable. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, I, I would put my money outside of this, but I definitely understand where you guys are coming from. Um, it's not crazy or absurd for one of these guys to do that. Um, all right, cool. That's it for trust issues. Let's go ahead and move over to 10 toes down. We got to stand our ground, guys. We got to we got we stick to these players. We're going to be challenged by each other on why we ranked people where we ranked them, whether we ranked them too high, too low. Uh, whether, you know, why are they on the list at all when there's another guy that you think should be on the list, whatever the case may be. Um, we ranked quarterbacks and tight ends this week. Um, just so everyone knows we already did wide receivers. If you're looking for those, we did an episode on those already. We did an episode on running backs. We figured quarterback, tight end, we could squeeze it into the same episode um, because, you know, we don't go in deep on it. Like we can go deep another day if we want to, you know, it definitely is something we could do, but we kept it kind of shorter this this week because these are the main guys that people are asking about and, and questioning. We can do episodes. Actually, I think we should actually have some episodes where we focus on like tight end premium leagues and super flex leagues. Um, but this is just kind of generally speaking rankings um, redraft as we've been doing. So uh, let's, let's, let's look at this here, guys. Let's start with for, for 10 toes down. Let's start with quarterback rankings. We'll have Adam challenge Josh first. I'll let Adam go first. To challenge Josh to stand his ground on one of his quarterback rankings. Adam, do you have someone in mind already? You want to look at oh, him yeah. first? Okay. I mean, Josh has one that stands out like a sore thumb. So, <laughs> Josh, please explain to us Matthew Stafford at QB4. Whew. So, QB4, okay. Last year, Matthew Stafford had 24.7 points per game. 
And that puts him in, in pretty high company. You know, you've got Lamar Jackson at 30. Mahomes was behind Stafford. Dak Prescott was behind Stafford in points per game. Like, he, he did this. So I feel like all I'm really betting on is him staying healthy. I need Matt Stafford to play 16 games. And if I get any help out of Kenny Galladay, if Kenny Galladay continues to progress, you know, maybe Marvin Jones also needs to stay healthy. I, I don't feel like this is unreasonable to just say that Matt Stafford could continue to do what he did. Okay, I'll push back a little bit. Um, so Matthew Stafford was the QB4 on a points-per-game basis last year, but he only played eight games. Uh, Matthew Stafford has never finished as a top-five quarterback in his career. Um, what, what will be different this upcoming year that will allow him to sustain what he did in half the season last year? Well... <laughs> I, I'll, you know, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> See, this is why ten toes down is fun. I will say I this: can't push you off your toes, bud. Even if Matt Stafford only plays half of a season, or maybe he plays ten games, but he's giving you QB one weeks at a regular pace in whatever games he plays. That that actually matters more to me than season finish. So, I'm just. I still want him. I still want him for whatever portion of the season I get him. Yeah, I mean, based on where you have him ranked, I feel like he would just be a quarterback that you would just get in every league because ultimately, you know, he's going in the ninth round, I think, on ADP. So more likely than not, you you would just basically be taking him around ahead of his ADP at all times since you haven't ranked that high. So, like... Are you just kind of all in on that Detroit passing game this year? Yeah, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm pretty high on Kenny Galladay. I mean, I have some some completely unreasonable opinions about DJ Moore that that get in the way of drafting Kenny Galladay <laughs> sometimes. But yeah, yeah. I, right. I respect it, Josh. I respect it. Do not agree. I'm glad Adam called it out. But I respect you. Uh, Keeping them ten toes down as best you could there, man. You were getting a little lift out the ground. I'll admit. You might have been hanging on by a pinky at some points, but uh, I, I respect it. Um, way to be bold, buddy. Way to be bold. All right, Josh, go ahead and challenge me, man. Which shoe are your QB ranks on? <laughs> Neil's ranks? What? Okay. More editing. <laughs> okay. All right. The thing yeah. that says Neil's, Neil's ranks. ranks. That, that'll usually do it. Oh, oh, I see. So I, I keep it look simple. Under- Ranks. Yeah, I keep it simple, Josh. I'm not on every single tab like you. <laughs> Tell me why Josh Allen deserves to be ranked ahead of Carson Wentz. Uh, why not? Why not? That's a better question. Why not? <laughs> the better question is why not? Like, listen, Josh Allen has got them legs, man. He's got them legs. This guy runs for touchdowns. Does Carson Wentz run for touchdowns like Josh Allen? I don't think so. Josh Allen's legs are underrated. Will you agree, Josh? I I appreciate his legs. Okay, you got to appreciate the guy's legs, right? It's just it's a fact. He he had an improvement at wide receiver, right? They added Stephon Diggs. The guy, you know, hopefully has just gotten better as a quarterback, right, with accuracy and all these good things. Hopefully there's been some improvement there. If we're allowed to talk about health, I trust his health. 
you know, more than Carson Wentz. But the thing for me is, like, they're, they're, they they could be pretty close, but I just feel like the legs, you know, getting things down on the ground is going to be the, the separator. It's always something that I target in quarterbacks is guys who can make things happen with their with their legs and in the run game. And I just feel like Josh Allen's underappreciated there, man. So, like, I feel confident that, like, he's going to be a safer floor for me at all times because of that. And I add in the new weapons. I add in the, you know, it's just a better team in general. Teams in the division maybe getting weaker a little bit around them, giving them a little, give them a little more room, you know, to, to make big things happen. But, yeah, man, I'm excited about Josh Allen and that offense. So, I won't deny it. I won't lie about it. Carson Wentz is cool, man. He's he's in my rankings, right? He's in my top 12, right? So, like, I'm not hating on him. Yeah, I got a one spot above him, Josh. You're acting like it's, you know, ridiculous. Splitting hairs. season not too long ago when Carson Wentz was just on fire. Uh, you know, if Jalen Rager, if Jalen Rager hits, maybe we get good Carson Wentz again. It's possible. It's possible, Josh. But, I mean, 12. I got my 11 and 12. They're right there, Josh. They're interchangeable at this point. But I feel like if I have to, if I'm drafting, I'm taking Josh Allen before Carson Wentz. There is a big difference between the two of them in rushing. Like I just looked it up, and uh, Josh Allen was at just over 510 yards, right around where Kyler Murray was, and Wentz is all the way down at 243, 10th overall. Yeah, sounds bad. Sounds bad. Doesn't make me feel good. Doesn't give me butterflies in my stomach. So. Down there in that Alex Smith range. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm standing I'm standing on it, Josh. Again, I'm not hating on Carson Wentz. I do have him up there, but I do put Josh Allen. When I'm drafted, I do draft Josh Allen first. It's just the way it goes. It's the way it goes. Do you have anything else to attack me on there, or are you gonna just allow me to gracefully stay on my ten toes? I, I like Cam Newton and Tom Brady ahead of Josh Allen, but you know, I'm not challenging you there. Like I'm I'm all for that. Ten toes down, baby. I'm great at this. You can't move me, man. Adam had you flying off the ground last last. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm staying down. I'm a little too heavy on my feet. All right. I'm going to move on. I'm going to challenge Adam on one of his quarterback rankings here. Let's see who I don't like. Adam ranks everybody, by the way. Um, when we go to Adam's ranking, he's like, fuck your rules. Fuck top 12. I'm going to go top 50 over here. Um, so, you know, we're looking at a little bit of a blur for me, but what I'm going to point out here, what I'm going to, and, and again, sometimes I'm going to challenge you guys on these things. And it's not that I disagree. I just want to hear your reasoning for it. Um, and I just think it's interesting. As a matter of fact, speaking of Carson Wentz, Adam has him ninth above your boy Stafford, who is at four on your list above my boy, Josh Allen who's at like 13 on his list, above Brady, above Newton. So why is Carson Wentz top in a, in, above, in number nine slot for you this upcoming season, Adam? I mean, just right off the bat, he finished as the QB9 last year with a decimated offense. Do you know who Greg Ward is? Nobody does. But we do because he had to throw the ball to him a ton last year. I mean, ultimately with Carson Wentz, for me, it, it's more of a situation of I just I think that that's who he is. I think I think we've kind of seen what Carson Wentz can do. And my concerns for him are definitely in that rushing department. Like having the ability to run is such a huge X factor now. 
Um, but there's a handful of quarterbacks that I have in a range just above those rushing quarterbacks that I just feel confident in their passing production. And for me, Carson Wentz has just kind of shown that he is in that elite tier of passer. And unfortunately, he doesn't have that added Konami code aspect. But for me, he falls right in line with that, you know, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Matthew Stafford tier of guys who I think realistically could throw for 30 touchdowns this year. And honestly, based on the list that we looked at just a minute ago, there were only seven guys that did that last year. I honestly don't think that there are that many quarterbacks that you can say will throw 30 touchdowns. But for me, Carson Wentz is one of those guys. You do understand he lost Nelson Aguilar, right? The secret weapon. <laughs> Aguilar. He's a he's a weapon for for the Las Vegas Raiders now. I mean, you gotta discount Carson Wentz for this, man. You can't just let this fly. Like, I don't know, man. Jalen Rager. John he has a Nelson Aguilar play somewhere. Yeah, he's it. Listen, man, I can't. When I, you know, obviously I'm up with my Raiders, right? And like, I just have to read the training camp reports and. You know, the Mike Mayock was talking. He was like, yeah, man, you know, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Zay Jones, they both came in great shape. And I'm like, oh, God, man, like, uh, <laughs> please don't do this again. Like, like, I mean, I mean, I, I hope these guys can, like, turn the corner and be, you know, useful in some way. But, like, uh, you got Henry Ruggs, Brian Edward, all these guys. And then you're like, yeah, Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar came in great shape. These guys are about it this year. They're focused. And I'm like, oh, man, if these guys start over these young gun rookies that are promising like i'm gonna go flip i'm gonna flip i swear zay jones played the entire season last year and i don't remember one catch like it was crazy and i'm not and again i'm not even rooting against them like i like the guys but like just come on man like i guess Derek Carr has had the worst luck as far as receivers who dropped the ball Amari yeah. Cooper, and now they got him nelson aguilar <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> but yeah we'll see what happens we'll see what happens maybe carson wentz was the problem all along we'll see that's what it is. That's my Raider narrative for the day. That's what I'll. That's how I'll spin it. All right. Next one. Oh, I get to challenge somebody to me again. We're going. We're moving on to tight end rankings. I am going to challenge Josh. Let's look. Let me. Let me. I haven't really, you know, digested Josh's tight end rankings too well here yet. Let me, let's see what he's got going. Let's see what he's f- screwed up on this list. Let's see what I hate. Okay. All right. Here's what I'm gonna do. Well, all right. Hmm. Which one do I want to pinpoint here? I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with this guy because he. When you guys check, he's not on my list, uh, my top twelve, and uh, that's why I'm gonna just make you defend it and see what it's about. Uh, which most people have him on their list, so it's not shouldn't be difficult. But Tyler Higby, you have him at nine, um, and he's not on my list at all. He's not on my top twelve at all. Which maybe you guys will ask me about. Maybe not because I'm asking you about him already, but. Um, actually, you know, I'll, I'll be giving you a reason not why I don't have him there. So you don't have to challenge me on it, but I want to know why you feel confident in Tyler Higby and being nine. And the reason why I, I'll come out of the gate first to tell you why I don't have him in my top 12. And it's because of the other tight ends there. It's because of Gerald Everett. Like it's because of the other talent. They just drafted another talented rookie tight end. They have plenty of good wide receiver weapons. They have a bunch of good running backs that hopefully, you know, will do what we hope they do. But why Tyler Higby, number nine on your list? What gives you the confidence that he will do it again this year? You know, maybe it's just recency bias, but I really get the sense that the the Rams want to run this 
two tight end, heavy set, and and throw the ball to their tight ends. And we saw we saw Tyler Higby excel in that role, and he does have some competition. You know, primarily I would say from Gerald Everett. But when Tyler Higby got the opportunity last year, he expanded that role and was able to do more with it. The guy ended the year with five tight end one weeks right in a row. And I just don't think I don't think that the Rams are going to forget that. And I think that if they put him on the field and put him in the same position that they had put him in, he will continue to do great things. Which he did while Jared Everett was out. Correct. But he still ex- he, he yes. He okay. Did. I'm just Gerald saying. I'm just saying. But I'm just he saying. More volume. He expanded the role. While yeah. while Gerald, Gerald Everett was out, that's when he did that. When Gerald Everett played, he didn't do that. I'm just saying. I but it's like this, okay? You've got a class of kids and they're all pulling like bees and thieves, right? And and the teacher gets COVID. And he's gone. This is dark already, man. (laughs) And the substitute teacher comes in, and all of a sudden, everybody in the class is an A student. Like, that's not because the teacher got sick. It's because the guy they brought in was better. And Mm. that totally proves my point about Tyler Higgins. That totally does not at all help your case. You just brought a COVID teacher classroom thing. This doesn't work for me, Josh. I'm just, hey man, listen, you're you 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 are the king of data, man. You're spreadsheet guy. I'm just going off data here, man. Like it just, it doesn't add up to me, man. It doesn't add up to me. But hey, I think you kept, I think you kept ten toes down. You tried your best. You've been getting lifted up pretty hard today, though. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying it, man. I'm not buying it. And we're not gonna let Adam talk about it because I'm sure he'll agree with you. So let's move on to the next person, Adam. You get to challenge me on one of my tight end rankings go ahead and give me your best shot yeah i mean this feels super egregious so please explain to me how gronk is going to be the tight end six this year all right this is easy man he's gronk baby gronk is back now this is just me this is me kind of i'll admit it's me kind of hoping a little bit that the brady gronk chemistry is still there it's still strong a year away from the game he got healthy he got his little weed supplement business off the ground. We know he's been smoking weed, man. Come on. Guy's got the miracle cure out there. He's healed up. I just feel like he's like the most trusted, familiar weapon for Tom Brady, right? He never had like, I mean, obviously when he got injured and things started to get weird, obviously things got went a little downtrodden for him. But like, I feel like, you know, I feel like this offense is going to be really beneficial to him. I feel like Bruce Arians is going to really work him into the game plan in a great way. And I feel like the the connection between him and Tom Brady just can't be ignored in my eyes. And again, it doesn't take much for me to put a guy in the top seven or top six, a tight end, like outside of the elite group for me, he has as good a chance as any other tight end on my list to be in that spot. I could easily argue anybody out of that or flip him with somebody else and understand that as well. So like, I just feel like the guy's done it plenty of times for me. The familiarity is there. The offense is a high octane offense, and so I just feel good about it, man. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid to put him there. It's just I just feel like a lot of these other guys I have question marks about, or you know, how, can they repeat it? Can they do it again? Can they stay healthy? And like I just feel like the the year away helped him a lot. 
getting off of Belichick's, you know, team and being able to have a be a fun guy. I think that matters here. Like just enjoy the game again. Like I feel like I'm 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 not afraid to put him there, man. Like I feel good about it. Like again, outside of my elite five, I can put anybody in that group. But I've seen Gronk do it. I know he has the ability. He has the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Uh, a, a bunch of assassins at wide receiver. I feel like they're going to need him, and they can use him easily. He can score touchdowns left and right in this offense. So my only question is, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in your top eight receivers, and don't Gronk, be bringing my other rankings into this now. I mean, but no, I'm just it's, kidding. I'm it's just, kidding. It's <laughs> kind of wild that you have all these guys ranked so high. I mean, you do have Tom Brady at QB nine, so you have him decently high, but. If all these guys, like if Godwin and Evans and Gronk live up to where you have them ranked, I mean, Tom Brady's a top five quarterback, easy. So uh, to, to me, that's, that's where my discrepancy comes in. Plus, they've already came out and said that Gronk's going to be playing on third downs and in red zone situations only. So he's not going to be on the field enough, in my opinion. They have two other extremely talented and dynamic weapons that are going to take away his touches in the red zone. So for me, ultimately, like I, I have serious volume concerns with Gronk. I'm probably not going to own him anywhere as much as I would love to. I mean, he's so much fun, but I just I don't I don't see how you could feel confident in him. I don't see. I, I wanna, okay, I want to say something here. I think that Adam. In his process, and I'm not trying to knock it at all. Knock it. Adam, Adam picks an outcome, and his rankings align with the outcome that he thinks is most likely. Like, and, and that's that's fine. That's one way to do it. But I feel like I kind of try to think about well, in, in multiple outcomes, does Robert Gronkowski have a chance of being tied into one? I feel like there's a chance out there when some of the other tight ends below him don't really have a chance. And, and so that's how I would say I can be high on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Robert Gronkowski and just get all of the things I like. 20 toes it, down. We're not even need like 10 toes. It's like a universe versus a multiverse. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of saying that you've never done projections and your things oh. don't add up, but it's cool if that's your process. Insults. I mean, really that, that, if you do projections, don't. that's how you realize that things like this don't make sense because, I mean, ultimately, the only way that Tom Brady is the QB9 while supporting two top eight wide receivers and a top six tight end is if, like, everyone else in the league has extremely inflated numbers as well. Like it just, it, it's hard to make that math work. That's, that's my only thing. It totally doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work. And I'm okay with that. I mean, that's fair. Like we were talking about before, like even for me with rankings, like talking about quarterback rankings, just stepping back a moment, Neil challenged me on my QB nine being Carson Wentz. The reality is, is I'm almost never going to draft the QB nine. Unless Wentz is a quarterback that fits stacks that I'm building and he falls in ADP, like those are the only times I'm even going to be taking him because my particular process in like a seasonal league, I'm ne I'm almost never going to draft a quarterback that has an ADP in the top 12. You know, in, in best ball, I'm only drafting those guys for potential stacks. And Wentz, unfortunately, doesn't have a lot of wide receivers that – 
are pushed up and being drafted ahead of him that make me want to draft him to stack with. So he's not even a guy who like I get very often. So I think that there is definitely validity in what you're saying. Just the idea that rankings aren't necessarily indicative of exactly how you think people are going to finish or even exactly how you're going to draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't really try to predict the season finish so much as I just think like who has a chance of being tied in one on a week to week basis. You're saying. Yeah. But yeah. Does Gronkowski. Okay. Yeah. I, I get it on a week to week basis. I think that makes sense. Yeah. That, that, that part of it is fair. I mean, if you really do think that he is going to be this weapon that he's been for Tom Brady in the past, then yes, he's, he definitely does have that potential to have big spike weeks. So yeah. in really, that way, it's really not even a Gronk thing. I really don't like Gronk very much this year. It was just, I just think your process is different than my process in that way. That was 20 toes down, guys. No, I mean, that wasn't even a disagreement. Josh hopped in here and made me help, help, my, help me hold my feet down, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, listen, there's all different ways to do that. That's why we do these episodes, man. That's why we do these ranking episodes, because if there was a particular way that it had to be done or a, you know, set, you know, bunch of rules that had to be used, like these would all be really close and really similar. We wouldn't have guys that we feel really high about or really different from each other about like. Yeah, it just is what it is, man. That's why these are fun. That's why everyone's are always different. That's why some people are so off the mark on certain players and some people are so right on certain players. And it's just the way it is. But I appreciate you for challenging me on Gronkowski, Adam. You'll be wrong. And it's cool. But I appreciate it. Josh, you are the you had the last challenge. And you were to challenge Adam on one of his tight ends. I, I really appreciate the way that you assume that I am not looking at the show notes. <laughs> and, and you read them to me so that I would know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> <And> that was. <laughs> I try. I appreciate that, Neil. I try. Okay. Well, okay. So, so Adam, if you could talk to us about Mark Andrews at tight end three. Like, what if the Ravens' offense is not everything it was last year? I didn't see this coming. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's his ADP, but okay. All right. So Mark Andrews, a tight end three. I mean, from what we saw from Baltimore's offense last year, I think the biggest takeaway is the way in which they design their offense. They're often going to be running with multiple tight ends on the field. So from a snap percentage count, Mark Andrews is going to have a much higher snap rate than almost every other tight end in the NFL. Uh, Furthermore, I think that with regards to how that offense works, outside of potentially George Kittle, he's the only tight end that projects to lead their team in targets, which I think uh, on a high-octane offense, which the Ravens were last year and likely should be again this year, he is going to be both their main red zone threat and the guy who probably leads the team in targets. And I want that on any high-powered offense. So for me, I mean, the question really comes down to him or Zach Ertz, I think, at number three. And I can definitely understand the argument for Ertz just from a volume perspective, um, because ultimately what Ertz has been able to do consistently over the past few years 
just from a volume standpoint is gigantic. But I think what we saw with the Ravens offense is that they basically were feeling out their first year of this offense. And I, I could see Mark Andrews touch like targets go up because they didn't really add anyone to take away from his opportunities there. I mean, ultimately they're still going to use Marquise Brown. Um, but beyond that, they don't really have a lot of other options that are exciting. So unless someone breaks out like Miles Boykin or if Nick Boyle starts doing Dallas Goddard type things as a tight end too, then maybe I could see Mark Andrews not getting that target share. But as it stands right now, I mean, he's by far the most talented receiver that they have on that offense. And based on what he was able to do in the red zone and just downfield last year, I think that there's, there's a lot to be excited about. I also would like to say that your ranking of Dallas Goddard at tight end 19 is disrespectful. <laughs> he's a backup. <laughs> uh, the backup disrespectful <laughs> you only get one jab at josh only one man okay well, take- I, I took one and a half i appreciate you let me have that you broke the rule that's all right though all right so that was 10 toes down hey i enjoyed it i enjoy these i enjoy this segment i'm not gonna lie when we do these rankings i like this i like being challenged on how we rank players i like being challenged on the players that we rank the differences and i also like that we don't always necessarily go for the you know the the outlier in our rankings but rather you know why is it so obvious or why is it so easy to put this guy at three? Like, even though it seems like it should be easy on the outside looking in. So I'm enjoying it. That was fun. Let's move on to listener questions. Cause we got like at least four of them that I really liked. I want to make sure we get to, uh, and then we'll jump through the rest of the show. Listener questions. The first one is from at Justin underscore Redwords. That's Justin Edwards. You guys know he is friend of the show. He's been a guest on the show. He'll, he'll be coming back soon too. Like I want to get him back on here soon. Me and him were already speaking about it. But he's, his question for us was, running backs are absolutely flying off the board in the early rounds. Who are some running backs in the 10th round or later that you don't mind drafting? Adam, you want to start this one off? Yeah, Justin, I did work for you, bud. No, uh, this is, <laughs> I mean, this is a huge part of my process as uh, one of the only zero running back zealots that still exists. I'm currently waving to the camera that is not there. Uh <laughs> I I am extremely passionate about late round running backs and understanding how to target potential breakouts. So um, shout out to JJ Zacharyson, uh, his late round podcast. He's featured some methodology around identifying running back breakouts. And he identifies four particular things that I think are great things to look for in a potential breakout. Um, The first one being standalone value meaning that they're a player that regardless of what their opportunity share is right now in the offense, they have the potential to be productive. Um, They're not someone who's going to just be a handcuff or just be someone who only is going to get opportunity based on someone's injury in front of them. Uh, The second one is they exist in an ambiguous backfield, meaning that the player who right now is considered the starter on the offense isn't going in like the first three rounds. They're typically getting drafted a little bit later. Um, and then the other op- or the other factors are pass catching backs. Um, most of the time, breakouts are going to have that ability to catch the ball as well, uh, especially in PPR leagues, which are what the majority of us play in. Having that extra element is just a huge factor. And the last one is they are going to be in a top ten offense. Uh, ultimately, having a team that scores a lot of points is what's going to allow secondary players to 
emerge and you know being in an offense that is high powered enough to support you while you're a secondary option when you have the opportunity to seize a role either by taking it over or by injury in front of you you have a huge opportunity for some giant spike weeks so um, for me this year there are only four players that fit that exact uh, all four of those standpoints uh, and two of those guys currently are going in the ninth round so I'll at least start with those two um, which for me it's Zach Moss uh, who's currently going in the ninth round. He fits all those factors to me. Um, Devin Singletary, I think, is definitely someone who has a lot of potential this year, um, but he by far doesn't have that backfield locked down. Um, the other, there are two of the, the final grouping um, are from the same team. Uh, one is going in the ninth round right now, which would be Tevin Coleman. Uh, I think Tevin Coleman has a ton of upside this year. I think where you can target him, uh, he's someone who I have on a ton of best ball teams because he has this elite upside and he fits those four factors like I outlined. But his teammate, who's going in the 15th round, Jarek McKinnon, is worth a throw. I mean, he's someone who ultimately, if, you know, Mostert goes down or Tevin Coleman goes down, or even if they don't, they might, with a healthy Jarek McKinnon, give him passing down work. He's had more passing down work in his career than Coleman or Mostert. So he definitely has that element to him. And the last one's Duke Johnson. Um, I don't really know if you can call having David Johnson in front of you an ambiguous backfield. So that's the only thing that he doesn't really fit in on. But with David Johnson switching teams and with him not being consistent last year, it's it's really hard to know for sure. And then uh, just three that I'm going to throw on at the end because they're going – uh, you know, at different ranges, but they fit three of these four factors for me uh, are Chase Edmonds, who's currently going in the 11th round, uh, Daryl Henderson, uh, who's currently going in the 13th round. And as a last round of your draft picks, uh, one guy who I'm drafting a ton in best ball right now is Ito Smith. Uh, I don't think Todd Gurley can stay healthy. And uh, behind him is only Ito Smith and Brian Hill. And from what we've seen in the past, they're willing to give Ito Smith the workload if uh, if somebody goes down there. So he's he's somebody who I think is like a last-round flyer, has a ton of potential upside in the case of an injury. Is, is Adam trying to hold out DeAndre Washington? I was just going to ask that. I was just going to ask guys, that. Guys, no, I got I to gotta just be honest. Thanks, so here, here are the issues with the DeAndre Washington, okay? Um, as far as the breakout finder type stuff goes, uh, I like DeAndre Washington. I'm drafting DeAndre Washington. But as far as breakout factors go, he's not in an ambiguous backfield. I, I mean, I guess you could say he is, but I think by all intents and purposes, we think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to lock down that backfield. Um, you know, he, he's in a high scoring offense and he is the pass catcher there. I don't know if he's going to have standalone value, though, because Gerald Williams has been being used more practice right now, and he's got CEH ahead of him. So he's potentially third on that depth chart going into the year. Obviously, I'm still excited about him. Obviously, I like his potential upside. He just doesn't fit those factors for me. So for our listeners, I want to make sure I focus on guys that, that did hit those factors. That's so kind of you. I'm still surprised he, he was on your he list. He not you drafting DeAndre Yeah, Washington. that's what it is. He does not want anyone to take the other Yeah, leave him for me, guys. <laughs> um, Josh, do you have anyone that sticks out besides the guys that you know Adam has mentioned that yeah. pop off to you? So 
So first of all, this his ADP is probably changing very soon, but Tariq Cohen deserves a mention here. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's what right now, like twelfth round or something? Yeah. Okay. That, no. 12th. Wait, on, what? On FF Calculator, Tariq Cohen. We gotta no. stop. We gotta stop using that, guys. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. That, that's Matt. so far off from his ADP that I I can't accept it. Where 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 what, right. what did you pull yours from, Adam? So I I'm going based on drafters best ball, oh. um, which are paid leagues so they have some validity to them um is that PR something that everyone leagues, has access to there right now like off the fly yeah uh i mean the the only thing with drafters that i don't like about their website is that it doesn't it's not easily accept, accessible unless you're in a draft um but i pulled all their adp data just yesterday and uh he's currently going in the ninth round so it's not like that dramatically far off i do still think he has a value there um but the fifth. What did you? What round did you say he was going? Oh, in? I said twelfth. The FF calculator has him at twelve. Yeah, twelve. In the twelfth round. Twelve one. Twelve one. Yeah, I mean, that's phenomenal if you can get him there. But in the ninth round, I think he's still a value for for all intents and purposes. Gotcha. Anyone else, Josh? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was pulling up. FFPC has him at pick eighty nine, and I can't divide by twelve. That's too damn <laughs> hard. <laughs> Okay, so moving on. It's the beginning <laughs> of the eighth round, Josh. Oh, really? Yes. Are you sure about that? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm moving on. Chris Thompson, he, he might be nothing, but I think you're going to know week one. He might come out and get seven targets, and if Chris Thompson is right, I think he is definitely worth a roster spot. The, the Jags seemed to decide last year that they wanted to throw the ball to the running back, and then they brought in Chris Thompson because Leonard Fournette did not do a whole lot with the passing volume. It was very just pedestrian what he did with the volume that he got. So I, I will not give up on Chris Thompson until he is out of the league. I'm happy Isn't this the same guy that had Leonard Fournette ranked in his like, top seven or something? I, I am not predicting season finish, sir. <laughs> I don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> I I think that Leonard Fournette has a very good chance of being like a, a safe top ten bet, but for the price that I'm having to pay for Chris Thompson, I think he he's worth he's worth the risk. Well, that's fair. I mean, he he definitely where he's going right now, which I think is like the sixteenth or seventeenth round, is is definitely a value. Yeah. And then the other one that I want to add is Boston Scott because I'm glad you did because I actually meant to talk about him. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I like Miles Sanders much much like I like Leonard Fournette, but Boston Scott did come in and get some passing volume. He didn't do as much with it as Miles Sanders. I don't think he's as dynamic of a player, but again, for the price, I'm willing to hold him and see if he gets six targets week one. And if he does... Uh, fantastic. I will say the guy that both of you left off your list, and he should be on there, is Jarek McKinnon. Yes. yes. I talked about Jarek McKinnon. You did? Yes. He was oh. one of my first. Well, he shouldn't have been on guys. your list because you don't. I listen to him with Tevin Coleman. All right. Well, he should be on your list for sure. No, it's true. It's a great one. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just Wax saying. poetic about him. No, no, no. That's good. It's all good. You guys get my point. Jarek McKinnon definitely should be on the list. What about. um? Where is um AJ Dillon going? Has he shot up a lot? Uh, he's going in the thirteenth round. Thirteen. Uh, he's interesting. For right? me, I'm, I I don't know. I really 
I think that he's just one of those guys that's going to be all hype at the end of the day. Like, I, I honestly think that he's going to be third in that pecking order. I think Jamal Williams outtouches him. Still, yeah, it's so. definitely possible. And the other guy yeah, that comes just, to the other guy that comes to mind for me, and I don't know where he is on all these different <laughs> ADPs everyone's using, but I can Antonio, tell you in a second. Antonio Gibson <laughs> is the other guy. Oh yeah, Antonio Gibson is another one that I identified. He's going in the ninth round. Him and Philip Lindsay are two guys who I own a ton right now, both going at uh, end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth round, and. Uh, both of them as well are two guys who I wanted to talk about. They didn't fit all of my factors though. And they were going outside of the, or they're going within the first 10 rounds. So they didn't fit exactly in this, but yeah, those, those two. And obviously I'm sure you'd echo Philip Lindsay. Yes. For me, they're, they're guys who, if I have any zero running back or modified zero running back build, I almost always have Philip Lindsay on those teams. Cause I think that he has an opportunity to just be the lead back there. I, I think that, where he's going right now is not indicative of how he's being used in camp and ultimately what he's shown he can be in the NFL. Yeah, facts. I was waiting for one of you haters to say something like, Jalen Richard, Theo Riddick. I was going to slap you across this thing. Thank God you guys uh, kept it respectful. You guys kept it respectful today. Appreciate you not trying to troll me just to bait me out here. Um, so hopefully we answered Justin's question. And we'll have Justin on the show again sometime soon for real. Um, the next one is from at Austin underscore G underscore H shout out to Austin. always appreciate his questions and support. He asks, are any of you willing to take the mustache crusader in the first round for your chance at a free case of beer? I will answer this first. I do not drink beer. That's very obvious at this point. I've talked about it plenty of times, not for any particular reason. I'm not against it. I'm not anti-beer. Don't attack me. Uh, but yeah, I don't really care about it. So I wouldn't do it for beer. But if we were throwing something great in there, like Ben and Jerry's, I would definitely do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, honestly, ass. I'd be more tempted by Ben and Jerry's as well. Like, who gives a shit about a case of Bud Light? Like, <laughs> honestly, you you have to be playing in a league that's either a free league or costs less than ten dollars to even come out ahead in this. So, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, yeah, what I thought was funny is uh, shout out to Underdog uh, Best Ball. They uh, they tweeted out something in regards to. Uh, not allowing people in the best ball championship to pick him in the first round and said something along the lines of like, uh, I, I don't know. They were doing some sort of contest themselves. If you didn't do that within like the next 24 hours or something, they like gave people free entries and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a hilarious promotion. I mean, I, I love everything Gardner Minshew's doing, but let's not ruin fantasy football drafts. Come on. Yeah, great commercial, too. Shout out to the guy. He's doing a lot of fun stuff, man. He's a fun guy. Um, Josh, I'm sure you probably have him in top four along with top five along with Stafford anyway, so I'm sure you're drafting this guy left and right, right? No, I – I like, I like exact. I would just echo what was just said. I like Gardner Minshew. This is a fun promotion. Great idea. And no way in hell. <laughs> All right. The next one is, uh, oh, thank you. Awesome. We appreciate it, man. Always, as always. The next one is from at Nick fan, 1970. Oh, first of all, shout out to this dude. He, on um, he's someone on Twitter who like constantly, whenever, I mean, Austin does it. Um, Beryl does it. Uh, just certain guys do it a lot and then other people just of course randomly just chime in which is always awesome but like um he he always like whenever someone's asking like hey i'm looking for a podcast to listen to anyone got any ideas you know those kind of tweets like he's always putting clock dodgers in the conversation so 
like I want to shout him out for that. Number one, of course. And then of course, just for interacting with us and sending us questions and stuff. I really appreciate it. And just the conversations on Twitter and stuff. So um, shout out to him. Follow him. If you're not already doing it, it's at Nick fan, 1970. His question is who would you rather have on your roster in a dynasty league, Jonathan Taylor or JK Dobbins? I thought this was interesting. I know Josh was eager to answer it. So I'll let him go first. Um, and I'm just, you know, curious also from both of you, like, is this question surprising to you guys? Like JK, JK Dobbins hype is like, obviously gone up a lot recently it feels like um with a lot of the highlights and stuff that are coming out of camp and obviously with the team that he's on it's an exciting team um but go ahead josh you can take it first well i want i want jonathan taylor but i do think that there is not enough separation between these two players to justify how much cheaper jk dobbins is so it's it's an interesting comparison to make like i i think we're you know Dobbins is on a fantastic offense behind Mark Ingram, who we're just waiting, just like Frank Gore, we're just waiting. He's going to just stop running any day now. (laughs) And it's hard not to be excited about that. And even if he's going in the sixth or seventh round, that that feels like a good price when Jonathan Taylor is going in the third. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm excited about Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, is, is the best running back prospect I think we've seen since, well, there's Saquon and Zeke, but he, he's right up there and he landed in a good spot behind Marlon Mack, who is the Lamar Miller of running backs. All next. <laughs> <laughs> this guy here. No Marlon Mack slander. Let's not do that here today. That's um, not slander. Lamar Miller's good. Yeah, whatever. It's a compliment. Yeah, what are whatever. we talking about? Yeah, whatever. You were a big Lamar Miller fan, too. I remember those days. No, nah, Marley Mack and Lamar Miller are actually really similar. It was actually a good one by Josh. <laughs> they're, they're actually very, very similar. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to jump in here because, like, I, I get the optimism for J.K. Dobbins, but maybe I'm crazy, but I think at least this year he's third in touches in that running back backfield. Like I, I still think Mark Ingram gets the bulk of the carries there. And Gus Edwards has had over a hundred carries in both of his first two seasons. Like I don't see them not utilizing him still. So while Dobbins is super exciting, I just don't know where the touches are going to come from. Now, obviously this is dynasty. So you're stretching it out more, but for me, the way I play dynasty a lot of times is I target wide receivers for their career. I target running backs for this year. That's just how I play dynasty personally. Cause I don't think running backs really have much shelf life. So I want to get a return on investment as quickly as possible and then trade them or, you know, get, get it while I can. But for me, like, I just think Taylor has more upside immediately and probably long-term as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue against, you know, Jonathan Taylor, even the uh, Marlon Mack homer in me knows that in Dynasty, Jonathan Taylor, you know, should end up flourishing eventually after this season completely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against them, but I do get it. Like Josh mentioned, like if you're looking to, you know, get a player in those rounds and you don't want to waste on Taylor, but you have high hopes for J.K. Dobbins once Ingram retires and all this good stuff. I mean, he is an exciting prospect, man. Like I know everyone hates training camp videos and this and that. It means nothing to them. But like, did you guys see that catch he made? Like that shit was legit. So, like, the dude's got skills. There's no question about it. So, he's one of those guys that are going to be really exciting to, like, kind of watch develop. And once, you know, that that opportunity window opens up, like, sky's the limit for him. So, I could totally get, like, waiting for him and, like, hoping you get him later. Or if you could get buy him cheap. Like, say that you have either one of these guys in your team and you want to trade for one. Like, obviously, Dobbins will be cheaper. 
Um, but yeah, it's, I think everybody will agree that, you know, Taylor is the, you know, majority best player in dynasty as far as like these rookies coming in. So, um, I don't think anybody would just straight up rank Dobbins ahead of Taylor basically is what I'm saying. If it was the same round, all that stuff alike. Um, but I get that there are situations where you might do that. Um, but again, shout out to Nick fan. Appreciate you, man. As always, thank you for continuing to support the show, man. Um, Next one, the last one I had, I wanted to get from Brad Duff. All, all these guys, man, super inter- super supportive of the show, like, all the time. And so I always appreciate your questions. Brad has been with us forever, so shout out to Brad. Um, he said, name an offense that can take a step forward and possibly turn into a fantasy juggernaut. Do any of you guys have something off the top of your mind here that would fit into that scenario? Yeah, so I had two. Um the main one, I mean, we've been talking about it already, this podcast. I mean, it's Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Anytime that you bring in a new quarterback, a, a young quarterback, that, you know, sky's the limit as far as what he might be capable of in the NFL. I, I don't really know if I do have an offense that, like, is going to break out and become a top five offense that is – bottom of the barrel right now but Cincinnati is the first one that jumps off the page to me we've already talked through a lot of their options the other one though that I think sneaky interesting is the New York Giants I think what Daniel Jones did while he was their quarterback last year was pretty exciting and I think they actually have like a lot of sneaky good weapons I mean obviously Saquon is a huge factor but Evan Ingram is probably one of the top 10 tight ends in the NFL if not yeah potentially top five and their wide receiver group is, you know, all guys that I think play perfect roles. I mean, you've got golden Tate who is a phenomenal possession receiver. You've got Darius Slayton, who is the stretch the field guy. And really uh, Sterling Shepard has been a do it all guy. What's interesting is he actually is the most targeted player on that team last year in games he played. So for me, I, 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 think that they have a lot of weapons and and for fantasy you know daniel jones has a lot of upside because he runs as well he uses his legs so for me that that's probably the one that i would find that's like a little bit sneaky but uh do you guys have any that you're thinking of the, the only one that i could think of and i hate to say because it's an afc west team with the denver broncos right like they they're an interesting one um if drew Locke can really you know, flip the switch and like take this to another level. Like they were pretty bottom of the barrel, I believe, last year. Probably one of the top five worst offenses, maybe. Um, if I if I'm correct, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm almost positive they were. Okay, so like I mean, you add Melvin Gordon. We already talked about Philip Lindsay, so I mean that's a good duo at running back. We got Noah Fant, who I feel like has a, a good chance of jumping. You know, in in rankings, you add KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. Like, I mean, they got everything you can ask for, basically, in the, in the sense of weapons, right? So, I mean, if that young quarterback and totally – and Cortland Sutton, right? I mean, we've seen him take off last year. So, like, there's just so much here going for them that, I mean, if the whole team could pull together and the coach and staff and everybody can get this thing right and Drew Locke can really, you know, step his game up to another level, like, I feel like they have, they have a good chance of – I don't know about offensive juggernaut, but they can, like, jump in the rankings a pretty fair amount, I feel like. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm digging deep. It's just something I got, you know? The right answer for, for Brad and just in general is obviously the Tennessee Titans. How, <laughs> how do you not? How are you not saying the Carolina Panthers? I don't understand you. I thought he was going to go there. Just like I thought you were going to DeAndre Washington, too. I thought but he was going to go Panthers. ahead. I mean, I don't how, how and why is it Tennessee? This is super interesting. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm mostly just like he's a Titans fan, Brad. Uh, talking to Brad, yeah. yeah. Oh, duh, God, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like telling me the Raiders oh, are going to become a juggernaut. What if What if AJ Brown drags Ryan Tannehill into actually being a good football player? You yeah. know, and Derrick Henry is, is Derrick Henry. Johnny Smith steps up. They they could they could provide value. Uh, another another team I wanted to mention was Cleveland, and I don't know if they're really bad enough to qualify for this, but I definitely felt like they uh, under delivered on expectations, and I think that this year they might be able to put it together. Yeah, Cle- Cleveland's perfect for this. Uh, another one that kind of jumps off to me is Pittsburgh. If Ben Roethlisberger comes back and is what he's been in the past, like. They could be a high-powered offense, kind of from an NFL perspective. Maybe not as much from a fantasy perspective, um, but yeah, they're a team that I can see turning it around big time in the, you know one season. Yeah, I think just as important as a team becoming a juggernaut is just you know a team making a, a big leap. Um, I think we mentioned a, a few of those there, so I think we covered that question pretty well. Um, let's go ahead and start to wrap things up here. This has been a pretty long episode. We've done a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of football, um, but I do want to knock out some foul or no foul. Close it out with some show and tell if you guys have some. I only have a couple of foul or no foul, so let's jump to those really quick. Um, foul or no foul, we don't need any new Batman movies. Foul or no foul? Foul. It's like the only good superhero movies. <laughs> They're like the best franchise. Now, granted, these aren't being made by Christopher Nolan, so I'm definitely skeptical, but the preview looked pretty interesting for having the main villain be the Riddler. Like, it was a neat choice. I feel like these are kind of going the darker direction, like the Nolan films. So, I, personally, I'm actually really intrigued. You know, I, I agree with you. The trailer did look good. And you know what it reminds me of is I have never watched The Joker still. Yeah, it's not. It's movie, man. I don't know. Everybody feels different. I, there were a lot of people who loved that movie, but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I'll check it out. There are people who love it, and there are people who just like don't want to see it at all. Like yeah. it, it just the Batman thing with me, it just throws me off. Like there's so many different actors doing this. Like I'm just confused. Like God, I don't. It throws me off so much, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the biggest Batman fan. I guess I don't know the whole. You know, I'm not super, super. You know, in love with this. You know, everything. Like I don't know the whole history and everything. But like I just don't get why there's so many movies over and over with different actors doing it and like different directors. And it's like it's so crazy to me. I don't know. But yeah, I'll watch it eventually just like i'll watch the joker eventually um so yeah new batman movie guys if you're excited about that i'm sure you were with the new trailer uh, i look good next one i have here is uh, you should do everything you can to not sneeze in public right now foul or no foul <laughs> i tried so yesterday i had to go pick up uh, my son at his school at the end of the day nothing bad happened but i i tried <laughs> to like squash a sneeze inside of my mask and like it rattled my skull. <laughs> <laughs> you just you I, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, I bring this up because I got to talk to people on Twitter about it. And I was talking about, man, one day I was in a grocery store in line and um, I was by like the deli section and I couldn't help it, man. I was like, I have to let this go. Like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to hold back a sneeze for anybody. Like, it feels too good, man. I got to let that shit rip. And uh, I sneezed. And like this lady behind me was like disgusted with me, like. She was so upset, man, just like shaking her head. She backed off. And I'm like, lady, relax. I get it. I'm wearing a mask. I'm trying. Like, d- bear with me here. Like, 
I'm not out here spreading the Rona, but I get it. I get people are concerned about it, but it was funny because when they got to talking, like everybody had stories about them sneezing in public. And one guy said he sneezed on a plane. The lady moved seats. She said, can, I, can you please change my seat? This guy's sick <laughs> just because he sneezed once. It's and so, so funny to me because that's the only reason you wear a mask. Yeah, that's exactly. The only re- that's literally it. That's the only, unless you spit while you talk, that's it. <laughs> that's the reason that you're wearing it. That's the whole thing. So if somebody can sneeze, so they're allowed to sneeze because you can't stop yourself from sneezing. Exactly. But yeah, the whole dirty look thing, that that's astounding. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't had to, but I would I, I wouldn't want to because you still gotta wear that mask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. It's not good all around, man. Nobody wants to do it. No one's chasing the sneeze out here on for on, you know on purpose. But uh, when it happens, man, you gotta let that thing go, man. You gotta let it go. Um, the last one I had, this was also a Twitter question that I, I was uh, I jumped in, but uh, when using a laptop, not using a mouse is totally acceptable. Foul or no foul? Yeah, I think it's totally acceptable. I don't use a mouse with the laptop. People were very upset oh about God. this. People were Foul, very upset. You, you, you both are psychos, <laughs> or you just do really mundane work. <laughs> and it could be, it could just be you don't, you don't do things that require you to need to use a mouse. But uh, I don't know if you're doing anything involving like spreadsheets or something that you have to click around. Like I could not. I would lose my mind. I'm a spreadsheet demon, bro. I'm with, out here filling in spreadsheets. on a laptop, Neil. I'm a spreadsheet demon. I'm out here just filling data left uh-huh. and right. Yeah, all right. I got the sarcasm. The trackpad is great, man. The trackpad works well. A lot of people were saying that the Mac trackpad is amazing. I don't have a Mac. I'm too poor for that. But, uh, yeah, definitely I, I agree with you. It's probably, it's probably amazing. But my Acer, my poor person computer here, is uh, trackpad's great. Works well. I like it. I had no problem with this. I did not know this was a big deal to people. But go ahead and throw me in the serial killer category because I use the trackpad. I don't use a mouse. And what's funny is I have a wireless mouse right here, ready to roll, and I just don't use it. I just don't bust it out for whatever the reason is. I'm glad you're with me, Josh. We could yeah. be we could be weird together, man. That was it for Foul or No Foul. We're going to close this thing out with show and tell if you boys have one. This is our moment to share with the listeners, man, to, to bring them closer to us, to... You know, to bring them in and, and share a product, an experience, a moment, uh, anything you guys want with the listeners. I'll start off with just covering the topic really quick about the NBA. I just want to shout out the NBA for being the most socially in-tuned group of athletes and uh, a sports organization. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the Bucks started something today by boycotting a game. They just randomly did not come out for the game against the Magic. Uh, obviously it has to do with what's taking place in their hometown, uh, with the shooting of Jacob Blake. Um, obviously, you know, they, they made a, an announcement after saying that, like, you know, when we come out here on the court, people expect us to, to bring our A game every day. We can't fall short of that. Like for that's what we're expected of. And then we expect the same of like our local officials, our police force, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, they, they took a stand and the whole NBA took a stand following them. We'll see how it plays out. You know, like it was three games today. I don't know how long this will go on. If it was a, if a one day thing or if the NBA is in danger of being canceled in the playoffs. Um, but just shout out to them and shout out to the NBA in general for always like supporting these guys. Like whenever the players do stuff like this in the NBA, no one bashes them. Like the coaches aren't bashing them. The league commissioners and bashing them like they're in, in step with them with all this stuff. Um, and I know it's easier. It's a smaller group of men. It's a, you know, smaller teams, but like it's still it, it works and they do it and, I, and I'm here for it. Even the coaches step out and say stuff all the time, judging, you know, what's going on right now in the world. So I just wanted to 
mention it, show them love, appreciate it. I know it's a, a big point of contention right now. All the people out there that are saying, oh, it's just sports. Don't get political. Keep playing. I can't quit my job for a day and then I down. Like, whatever, man. Go educate yourself. This is a chance that, you know, a country is facing a major thing right now. And this is going to help, I believe, in a major way. Because when you take away sports, you're forcing, again, the, the conversation that has to be had in this country. So um, I'm all for it. Big ups to the NBA. Big ups to the Bucks for for starting that. And, and, and just big ups to everything around that. If you guys have anything to say, feel free to chime in. Or just go ahead and jump into your uh, show and tell. Ditto. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so for my show and tell, uh, Madden 21 comes out, I think, on Friday. Uh, but I'm a nerd, and I got the pre-order, so I've already been playing it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I I went a long time without playing Madden. Like, it was a big part of my childhood and my teenage years. But then from, like, college up until last year i didn't play madden for like close to a decade and i last madden was the first one that like i got again but even getting that like it was already after the season was over and everything getting madden right before the nfl season has me so hyped right now it is crazy like i'm going through and playing with every single team at least once just because it's so fun to just look at the rosters and see, like, honestly, it's a weird thing. But for me, it actually, I feel like it helps with my fantasy process to look at teams <laughs> like like the Vikings, for instance. Like, there's a reason that Adam Thielen is in my top seven now, because I don't know who else they're going to throw the football to. I mean, they've got Herb Smith, hopefully. But outside of that, I mean, you're looking at a rookie as potentially their number two wide receiver in that offense and behind them, like nothing. It's, it's so interesting. And there's a lot of other teams like that, that you see like they're going to be target funnels. And I think it's interesting just, you know, having something that is obviously so fun also be so educational for something like fantasy. Hey, Josh, this guy is saying he's it's, it's playing into his fantasy rankings and stuff over here, man. I mean, this guy was pretty critical of how he ranked guys a couple minutes ago. But, uh, you know. No, you, it's not like based I'm on just their Madden. I'm just ranking. kidding. I'm just kidding. It's based on understanding who's on the NFL roster. Because I think that, like, I don't know. I think if I name some random NFL team like the, you know, the L.A. Chargers, could you name their top four receivers or can you just name their first two? Um, probably just the first. Well, they got KJ Hill. They got KJ Hill. They drafted KJ Hill. Did you just say is Travis Benjamin still there? Because guess what? I don't know. I think he's a Brown. The last time I heard. Of how about him. how about how about this? They have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who just got hurt, and then they drafted Joe Reed and KJ Hill. So I feel like that's the top four. I think you might have just gotten it. Now, I'm nice with this stuff, man. I'm nice with it. And for the record, with Madden, the last time I played, I spanked Adam like three games in a row. He's that trash. Is, that is true. And so, I mean, to be, to be fair, in my defense, I just got done talking about how I hadn't had the game for a decade. I don't play it either, bro. I'm, I believe you. I believe you. I just – I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the NBA, shout out to them. Madden, shout out to Madden. Uh, Josh, do you have anything for today, man? Yeah. Okay. So I have been doing virtual teaching for about four days now. And I wanted to give a shout out to the parents that have been doing all this virtual teaching with me because 
just technology wise, the, the rollout, lots of things have not gone as they were supposed to go. Lots of infrastructure like Wi-Fi networks was not up to the task of everybody being on all the time. And I just feel like I have gotten zero crap when a lot of crap could have been given. And I appreciate it. Shout out to you, man. Shout out to the teachers. Shout out to the parents who are now becoming teachers at home. Shout out to everybody, man. It's an interesting time, Josh. Yeah. You're in an interesting predicament, my man. (laughs) It's uh, going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I know people already who are like, man, like they had so much hell the first couple of days that they're like, I'm screwing it. I'm sending my kids. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I'll keep my kids home. So we'll see when it starts up how, how I deal with it. But I'll be bouncing all my kids' homework off of Josh. So I'll be fine. Um, that's it, man. That's all we got today. That was a, a good episode. That was a fun episode. We covered a lot of ground, a lot of ground in football, a lot of, a lot of good, st- a lot of good stuff here, man. So, um, as always, we're gonna let the listeners know where they can find us. You can find Josh at JC Crocker, Adam, you can find at the other FF guy and me, you can find at clock Dodgers. Follow us. If you're not following us, follow us. It's how you can send us questions. It's how you can harass us. It's how you can give Josh feedback about his new mic and his country twang that's been spiced up from it. This is how you can go out. You can go challenge uh, Adam and Madden now. Trust me, if you want some free W's, some free practice, it's, it's fun to try out your new plays. Such a hater. It's 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 a it's a good it's a good game. It's a good game to play, Adam. It's fun, and just make sure you record it. Take some highlights. Throw them on the, on Twitter after you're done. Let the guy know what's up. But other than that. I, we appreciate you guys a lot. We appreciate the reviews, the new subscribers. As things continue to build and take off, we appreciate you guys for being with it. We've been, I've been doing this for like, we've been doing this for like over four years now, guys. Like, you know, just things have changed from the beginning to now, but like there's people who have been stuck with us, sticking with us through the beginning, lots of new people. So we just appreciate everyone out there in the clock time, your family. Um, if you haven't already though, if this is your first time listening, or maybe you just listen and you don't actually subscribe, hit subscribe. We really appreciate it. Drop a five-star review if you haven't done it already. Thank you for the support. I got I got nothing else. Either one of you got anything else? Be kind. Be great. <laughs> Don't you do that. Keep dodging. <laughs>